Welcome to the Judaism from Within podcast. I'm Simi Lerner. It's often said that if you look at a sunset, you'll see God. But that's not really true. If you look at a sunset, you see the sun. If you believe in God, and you have a religious framework in which you're looking at the world through, well then you'll see God, and you'll see the beauty of nature, and the beauty of the design of nature. But your lens comes first. The frame that you put onto the world comes first. Your value system that you look on the world with colours and structures how you see it. In our example, the sun is just the sun. There's no theological content to it. In comes Rav Hirsch with his fourth commandment. Do not go after your heart and after your eyes. This is often put on the table as quite a simple commandment. Don't be tempted by the world around you. But for Rav Hirsch, it's profoundly deeper. As a platform for this commandment, he uses the sources, the sages of the Jewish people in the Talmud, who say that when a person looks at the world without the Tyra, he first arrives at what's known as minus or heresy. He then goes down the road of uh, moral depravity, which is known as Gilearias, and then eventually it leads him to idol worship. Now, this is an interesting slippery slope argument. A slippery slope argument is where I say that if you do the first stage, you will inevitably end at some terrible situation. Now, the first stage here is looking at the world without the lens of the Torah, and then it leads you eventually to idolatry. Now, this seems like a tricky slippery slope. Not all slippery slope arguments are bad, but they often can be bad, because the role of the one invoking the slippery slope will be to show how each stage is connected, why the stage you're in was necessitated by the stage before it, or why it was very likely. So let's do this. Let's go through these categories, through these stages of Rav Hirsch, and see how they follow. And why is it so bad? So he begins with, the commandment of Loisosuru, or do not go after your heart, he says is telling you that if you just perceive the world, you look at the world in its raw state, it doesn't cry out God to you. Putting it more specifically, the world that we live in today, we live in a secular world. We don't live in a religious world. What I mean by that is that the world and the culture that we experience today is a technological one. It is a scientific one. It is a secular one. It doesn't encourage religious worldviews. It's not always hostile, but definitely nothing about the world screams to us that we don't understand it, thereby we must invoke God. You need to come into the conversation with that frame. Now, of course, that's going to be a separate discussion about why you think it's a worthy frame, or why you think it's a frame that you should adopt. This is Rav Hirsch's 19 letters, where he tries to put forward an argument why he thinks you should adopt the Jewish framework. But a framework is necessary. But this is deeper. A framework is necessary to do anything, to do anything, to get involved with anything. Like we mentioned last week, you need a set of values. You need a value system in which to structure the world around you, in which to move through. Nothing about the world tells you what to do. So the first point from Rav Hirsch says if you view the world in its raw state, you just see nature, survival, the struggle for survival, tooth and claw, the clawing at the world to gain as much as possible, because that's what nature is. Nature, things try and survive. Humanity, we try and survive 
and at what cost. But it's not only survival, it's to try and get as much resources as possible. To gain as much pleasure as possible. That is the base state of nature. It's not a value structure, but it is what nature is striving for. So Rav Hirsch presents us our first stage in this chain that he receives from Chazal. You look at the world without the framework of the Torah. You look at the world without the value system that the Torah gives you. Well, you have two options. You might come to the belief in the existence of some sort of supreme being at the root to the cause of everything, but that is by no means the monotheistic God of the Jewish people. So you'll walk away with a misconception of what we mean by God. Or, in a more devastating way perhaps, you'll just not see any underlying reality to nature. You'll just see the survival of the fittest. You'll just see everything clasping at gaining as much as possible. So we have our first stage, the denial, or the misconception. That first stage that Chazal give us, that Rav Hirsch sees, spring forth from Loisosuru Achrei Levavchem. You just go after your heart without any framework imposed on the world. You'll either come up with a weird conception of God, some sort of deistic God that really has no interest in our reality, or you'll deny it. You'll just see nature. And once again, in our modern context, that's not difficult because we understand so much about the world, and we know so much about the evil that goes on in the world. So to walk away and just see mechanistic randomness to reality isn't so far-fetched. That's why Rav Hirsch says we need to have the imprint, the framework, the value system of the Tyra. So what leads us to the next stage? The first stage is the denial, minus. The next stage is harder. How does this way of looking at the world lead to Giliarias, moral depravity. It's important to point out that this isn't the claim that a person who doesn't take this framework to the world will necessarily lead an immoral life or lead to giving in to their more base instincts. Clearly not. Some of the greatest people, some of the most moral people, can be deniers of religion. So that clearly isn't the claim. And some of the biggest affirmers of the existence of God can be the most depraved and the most morally wanting. So that isn't the point. The point is slightly more fundamental. It's stressing that your value system leads in a direction. Now, of course, you'll have people who will withhold from that the same way you'll have people who will give into it. The point is stressing the importance of your value system that you walk into the world with and not simply going after your heart. What is the commandment of the Torah of Loisosuru? This is what Rav Hirsch is delving into, not what happens on the ground with moral or immoral people. So putting that to one side, how does a simple view on the world lead to moral depravity? Well, if you look at the world as simply everything, grasping at gaining as much as possible for the goal of its own survival, and you look at yourself as simply being part of that ecosystem, why should you resist? What compels you? Where does the ought come from? The nature that you experience, what about it compels you to stand against your more base instincts? Of course, people will have an answer to such a question, but it's important to point out that answer won't come from nature itself. It will come from an external philosophy. It will come from an external value system. That is key here. Rav Hirsch is saying, the value and the importance of picking the Torah as your value system. 
Someone can come over with another value system, but they will not be getting it from simply the pursuit of looking at the world itself. The way it's put in academic circles is you can't derive an ought from an is. Something in the world might be the case, but that doesn't tell you how to act. That doesn't compel you with an ought on your person. So to recap our stages, the first stage is you look at the world with simply your eyes and your heart, and you go after what you see and what you feel. This leads to a misconception of what the true nature of the world is, a misconception of the underlying reality of existence from a Jewish standpoint. The next stage is looking at yourself as simply being part of that structure. And then why should you stand above it? Where are the values coming from that can compel you to withhold from giving in to your more base instincts? And the last stage is idolatry. And idolatry in a more sophisticated sense of the word, not bowing down to a rock. But you'll look at yourself as being the ends in and of itself. Your pleasure, your gain, just for you. Everything must serve you because, well, what else is there? There is nature and you are part of nature. And nature just craves to take. And you are the focus here. You are the ego that needs to be satiated, in which case you become the god. It's a turn inwards that you are the focal point. Or, in a more devastating way, you become the ideological slave of the one who promises to provide it for you. The one you think can provide you with the needs, be it financial, be it in terms of luxury, be it political, whatever you think works, you will crawl at the knees of. Morality, character, will go to one side in the pursuit of what works. Because that is all that matters. What else is there? And we can trace this back to that first point of looking at the world as just being a mechanistic structure that you are part of, which is the second stage. You're just part of that, in which case, what can you gain for you and your own? The last stage, you'll be at the knees of whatever you think will be able to provide that for you. Morality, character, higher values will pale into insignificance in the spectre of what works. So, to recap, we went through the stages that Rav Hirsch puts down of going after your heart and going after your eyes, this commandment to stay away from this way of looking at the world, looking at the world as just being this natural structure that you are part of and how that leads to idolatry. So that was the fourth commandment. I'd like to encourage everybody to once again, if you can, give us a like or a good review on the preferred platform that you're using. It helps spread these ideas. It helps spread this message. It helps spread the Torah or the thinking of Rav Shamshan Rafal Hash. Once again, I am grateful for the listen. Have a wonderful week.